0: The Braves bounce back against the Brewers. They don't panic. Like I say, this team's been through everything you can go through.
1: And the crime dog makes his way into Cooperstown. I'm humbled to be standing on the stage with some of the greatest players that's ever played this game.
2: From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, coming to us from Milwaukee. And Justin, uh, along with what happened with uh, Fred McGriff in Cooperstown, a pretty big Sunday to be a Braves fan.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. There was a series win, there were some moves, and going forward, this team has, you know, had a happy flight and has, you know, a nice happy day off before a two-game series in Boston to try to keep things rolling. So it was uh, a lot going on today, Jay. I I hope you're ready. Uh, I hope this isn't one of those where we have to keep the people for an hour, but we will do what we have to. Well, we don't have to
2: keep the people for an hour, and you don't have to stay here for an hour, but we hope that you are entertained for as long as this show takes because the menu is going to be pretty lengthy. We'll dig into the Braves' first series wins since the All Star break. We'll also take a look at all the new guys on the roster. The catching situation is going to be settled for the next year, and we've got our own Gabriel Burns coming to us from Cooperstown after Fred McGriff goes into the Hall of Fame. Finally, All the answers to all your questions in our Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to the show. We are happy to have you as long as you want to stay. And please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution presented by Kroger. And I hate to say it, but summer is winding down if you're a student in Metro Atlanta. Most places are heading back around the 1st of August. So this is it. Last week of summertime. And parents, if you haven't checked off your kids' back-to-school list yet... No reason to go any farther than your local Kroger store. Kroger's got you covered for all your back-to-school needs, from school supplies to lunches and more. You can find more than 250 different items for less than 3 bucks to get your kids ready for the first day of class. And they've even got some essentials for less than a buck, like notebooks, colored pencils, glue, tape, crayons, and more. So head to your local Kroger store today or visit Kroger.com slash
3: school. Uh, Before we get into the Braves, we're going to need to get into the fact that school starts on August first,
2: yeah, first uh, first few days of August. Uh, Justin's new to uh, to Metro Atlanta, and uh, it didn't used to be that way. When I was coming up, we'd get like the whole month of August. But the way it works now, it's the same amount of school days, but there's more breaks in the middle of them. When I was coming up, you pretty much had to go all the way, with the exception of like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now there's a lot more extra breaks in between. So we got three months off vacation. Uh, now the kids get two months off, but more breaks in between.
3: Oh, huh. That's interesting, yeah, because when I was growing up in California, it was, you know, late August, and then we had a couple, you know, of the Labor Day starts, uh, and then in college, it was, like, August 18th or 19th or 20th. It's, uh, beginning of August feels too short, because summer, summer really is July and August, right? I mean, I know it's, like, the end of June, but it's, like, yeah. if you're going back to school early August and summer technically starts near the end of June, June 20th, June 21st, whatever it is, you're kind of only getting a month and change of summer. It feels, but maybe you make it up during the breaks. Anyways, I don't we know. We'll stay out of um, the
2: education team's um, yeah. uh, 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 purvey there, but stick around uh, for our uh, Braves report in-depth on how to uh, handle the school calendar uh, coming up in a couple of weeks.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. I, I guess I think these people want more of like, what they should think think about the trade deadline, which we have some news on. Stick on around. That, on something. Stick around. Yeah. we got a promo yeah, coming be, up in 15 minutes. There will, there will be something. But, Jay, for now, there's a ton of stuff to get into. Um, I really felt like today was a very, very nice step forward for the Braves. Um, they were slumping. But can you even call it that? <laughs> I mean, this team's lost four games in a row three times this season. And those four games account for over a third of their losses. Those four-game losing streaks. (laughs) Those 12 losses account for over a third of their losses. So, you know, it's happened in bunches a couple times, but they're just really, really good. And they started Alan Winans on Saturday, Michael Soroka on Friday, Bryce Elder on Sunday. No offense to those guys at all, but what if I told you that, you know, that was going to be the rotation they would have, you know, at the beginning of the season – And they would win a series in Milwaukee against the first-place Brewers team. I think you would take it. There was a lot that happened. Let's get into it.
2: All right. So we will start with uh, what happened on Sunday and the big hit by Ozzie Albies in the top of the eighth. I know he's got a slow
0: heartbeat in him. I mean, he he doesn't panic or anything. He stays with his approach, and you know, even last night, I expected him last night to pierce a gap, you know, in that game. Um, But yeah, there's nothing he's going to experience is going to be too big or more than he's ever experienced.
2: And, and it seems like no matter when, no matter where, April, October, when the Braves and Brewers get together, it's going to be some well-played ball.
3: Yeah. I think both organizations are really as, as good as the Braves' offense is. They have terrific pitching, man, and they really, really develop it. They have great game plans. It's fascinating to see the Braves go through arm after arm, and they're, it's all really crisp for the most part. The Brewers are the same way. They've got a great rotation. The bullpen is phenomenal. They really hadn't been, you know, nobody would gotten to them in in a minute until Ozzy Albies did uh, in this eighth inning. It's two good baseball teams because they're solid, you know, great pitching, solid defense. um, And, you know, I feel like they're both part of the well-run organizations pool in terms of those, you know, those select organizations in baseball where you can say, okay, they've pretty much do things, you know, the right way. Some decisions won't work out, but most are well thought out. Um, And this was another really, really good series where you really didn't feel like any of these games got off the rails. It was just well played baseball, right? Uh, One night, the Brewers top prospect comes up and he steals the show uh, on a night of three different debuts. One day, you know, it's Ozzy Albies, you know, Austin Riley homered a couple of the games. But it was well-played baseball uh, in front of three really good crowds. Um, and I think these two, you know, going forward, it'll be interesting for me to see where the Brewers finish. You know, they're they're not out of the woods yet in the Central. Um, but they can kind of hang with anybody given that pitching.
2: Bryce Elder said he made some adjustments since that horror show on Tuesday. I mean, I just think throwing in the zone more early. I was out of the zone a lot. There was a lot of 2
4: one 3-1 counts that – you know, not, not really in my favor when that's the case. So uh, just being
2: more in the zone overall, not just early,
3: but even
2: late, I think, kind of helped me out. It's really been two pretty terrible outings on both ends of the, uh, the All-Star break, but were you happy with uh, Elder's bounce back?
3: Yeah, I think it was really good. Six innings um, was great. Two runs, you like to see that. Uh, one question I asked Elder in that post-game session was how important it is to be consistent like kind of like what that balance is even if you have a couple tough starts like do you do the same thing or you know what's the balance between trying to find those adjustments but sticking to your routines knowing that it's going to turn trusting in them and he he made an interesting point that yeah it's very important you always stick to everything that you're doing and trust in your routine but he noticed that sometimes a routine can get to the point where you're just doing it because it's your routine And he noticed that he was like that the last few weeks. And so what he did um, in the week, you know, the five, the few days leading up to the start was he really tried to be more intentional. He kind of focused on the task and focused on that day. Didn't worry about anything else. Didn't worry about tomorrow. He tried to be really, really mindful and just more of being more intentional with what he was doing and with each step in his routine Um, and kind of just getting down to it and simplifying it. uh, And that really led him in part, you know, to what he did today the encouraging thing I took from today, though was something Bryce said about his stuff specifically. He said that just he didn't really feel like it was all there. he didn't feel like it was great stuff, and well, he still gives him a chance to win, keeps them in it um and they reward him by winning. but it was to me it was a really, really good start, considering he didn't feel like he had great stuff out there um in this series finale. I thought it was really good uh and hopefully you know. I guess for him, quiets some of the the naysayers, the doubters saying that the regression monster has arrived.
2: Now, despite the, the comeback on Sunday, the Braves did have to deal with a four-game losing streak this week. They were in danger losing three straight series, but uh, nobody was ever worried. Here's Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton.
4: Come to expect that we're going to flip the uh, turn the page when something bad happens. And um, you know, there's a lot of confidence that it comes from that. So uh, there's never any panic. You know, it's Come back from the All Star break. Um, that momentum uh, had to restart.
0: When you lose a few in a row, there's no way around it. I mean, we we know what what was going on, and uh, I think that can help. I think that can, you know, with the right group, losing and get you know getting getting pushed around a little bit is, is beneficial. Albeit, you don't want to have to experience that. You don't want to have to lose games. But I think that. With the right group, and I think we have the right group, um, it, just, it just becomes motivation.
2: We knew the Braves couldn't keep up the electric pace of the last six weeks before the All-Star break, but do you take anything from the, the start of the second half that, that may or may not be a little issue?
3: Yeah, um, I think their starting pitching depth is getting a little thin. I think that's something that usually catches up to you. The Braves, as I said, seem to be very adept at game planning um, and advanced at game planning and sticking to guys' strengths. Um, They've really got a great foundation in terms of the guys they have on the field. So when they do need to bring up, you know, starters with less experience, or when they do have starters who might not be marquee names in a rotation, um, they do well and they have support around them. Uh, But. You know, that said, the Chicago series and the Diamondback series, to me, illustrated that, okay, like, there's probably some due regression uh, in the rotation with, you know, like, every Cole B. Allard start was not going to work out. You know, like, Bryce Elder was going to hit a rough patch at some point. Like, it, it just happens. Like, that's baseball. Um, and, you know, Michael Soroka has been, you know, before he was optioned, uh, and we'll get to that, had been, okay, you know, not great. Perhaps you can expect a little bit of, you know, still knocking off the rust, but the Braves are trying to win games. He, you know, just been okay. I think that depth is the one thing for me. The Braves have it, but it's not going to be perfect all the time. And when you're not running out Max Fried or Kyle Wright as part of that rotation, it's really, really tough to do what they did and win 20 at 24, win 23 at 27. And that to me stuck out. I don't think it's a fatal flaw. And I think going forward, Alex Anthopoulos is going to look at it, you know, very carefully. If there's somebody he can't acquire, he will. He's probably, you know, not going to do anything that's going to come at a detriment in terms of what he has to give up to get it. But, Jay, the Braves, you know, the depth is running a tad thin. Colby Allard's on the 60-day injured list now with left shoulder nerve inflammation. Dylan Dodd is just coming back from injury. He hasn't pitched since June 22nd uh, at this point because he had some left shoulder soreness. Uh, he's going to be throwing in Florida this week, uh, continuing to throw in Florida. Um, they're just running a, a little bit thin, and maybe Yanni Chirinos, who they claimed you know off waivers from the Rays, is one of those answers that can give them a little bit more depth uh, and that they can take a shot on. That's the one thing to me, is it's not always going to be perfect. And Jay, in those two months before the All-Star break, that month and a half, It was pretty darn near perfect with everybody they were running out. It's not always going to go that way. I don't think it's a fatal flaw, though.
2: Well, let's talk about some of that uh, Braves pitching depth Michael Soroka sent down late on Sunday night uh, for a guy that uh, the Braves have picked up off waivers from Tampa.
3: Yeah, now Chirino's, you know, at first glance, um, his numbers don't look great. It's, you know, a four ERA. Uh, His fielding independent pitching, which for those who don't know, kind of removes, well fielding removes the random outcomes, So it just has to do with home runs, strikeouts, walks, you know, hit by pitches, things a pitcher can control. That's over a five, which means that, you know, and you grade it similar to ERA, which means that maybe he's a little worse than the ERA has shown. He's got 31 strikeouts and 20 walks over 62 and two thirds innings. Not terrific, but I think there might be some upside there. And it just seems like, you know, in, in a You know, claiming him, obviously, the Braves feel like, you know, they want to give him a shot. Um, So we'll see where he slots in. But with Michael Soroka being sent down, look, you know, I thought Friday was one he could have built on. He said after the game that he felt more like himself going six innings. That is what he hoped to do going forward. Uh, But for now, he you know, he's going to be in Gwinnett, and we'll see where Chirinos slots in uh, a little bit there. He's certainly an intriguing addition.
2: And we've seen a few additions uh, this week. In fact, a lot of big league debuts.
0: We're
3: having a hard time finding parking spots
0: for the guys we're bringing up. Um, we got a lot of guys. One of them is Alan Winas, who had a pretty solid debut on Saturday. I felt pretty calm, honestly. I mean, to be fair, I didn't really feel my body during the warm-up pitches in the first. Uh, <laughs> when the warm-ups were done, though, it truly did feel pretty normal, as normal as it can be. Outfielder forced walls running around. It didn't take him long, did it? Um, no, it's like when we ran for him, was, we're like, you know what? I want you to run. You know, that's why you're putting you out there. And, and um, he did just that. I mean, you can see the guys stole a, a whole lot of bases the last few years. That, that's kind of a weapon.
2: And Daysbel Hernandez comes up and is throwing smoke. If yeah, he hadn't got hurt, he'd
0: probably been a big part of this bullpen already. Uh, but he's <clears throat> been playing down there. He's healthy, big, strong kid. But uh, the Nike slider's a lot better than it was, what I remember. So
2: which of that bunch impressed you the most this week?
3: Uh... You know what? I think Daysbel Hernandez... I, I think in terms of long-term impact, right? Like... That's a guy that I look at, he's, you know, where he was today, touching 97 miles an hour with that four-seam fastball and then getting, you know, some whiffs with that slider. It was really, really good, and you can almost project him to be like a late-inning stuff type guy if he stays in the strike zone, if he continues to execute, if he stays healthy. I don't want to put those sorts of expectations on it right now, but it does almost get me thinking about how we've talked about on this podcast so much about who will the Braves acquire in terms of the bullpen? How will they strengthen it? They've got guys out. Will Alex Anthopoulos make a move? You hate and fans hate to hear the, well, this is like a trade deadline acquisition. But if Hernandez emerges a little bit and and he's pitching well, we saw Snit put him into the game in a one-run game in the seventh. If he's pitching well and he really emerges – that might be a really good reliever you add, you know, down the stretch. That might be better than somebody you could add at the trade deadline. Like you can't, you don't find stuff like that on the street. I mean, that's a nasty slider that he developed by throwing it more in Double A, and then that fastball's you know 97. Uh, Jay before he got called up, over his last five appearances, Double A AA and Triple A, he struck out 17 of the 23 batters he faced. Well, and
2: he, uh, he struck out five in a row in his last outing in Gwinnett's. That's what uh, eight batters retired, eight struck out in his last two appearances.
3: It's it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, I'll give you a fun fact, um, and this was actually, it was Bally uh, Sports' as Kelly Kroll and I were talking to Bryce Elder after the game, and Kelly asked a question about, you know, about Hernandez's debut. Bryce told me something I did not know and could not have remembered. Bryce and her bell combined for a no-hitter in double-A two years ago, before Hernandez had Tommy John surgery, before he was up, they threw a no-hitter. Oh, wow. Yeah, both of them. Bryce had seven innings. Hernandez had the last two. Um, And I asked Bryce, because Dicebell had Tommy John surgery in 2022, missed all of last season. I asked Bryce, like, would he have been up, you know, a little sooner had he not gotten hurt? And he looks at me and he goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. he's like, I just, you know. It's still impressive, but when I saw it back then, it was impressive. And uh, Eddie Perez remembers, you know, after the Braves, way back when, saw Hernandez at a tryout. He was in Miami. He's from Cuba, um, came to the States. He was in Miami doing tryouts, uh, and he did a lot of them. Caught the Braves' eye. Uh, they sign him. He gets in their system. And Eddie Perez remembers seeing him at spring training and being like, man, this guy's going to be up this year. And obviously he went on to get hurt uh, eventually and it slowed him down a little bit. But to me, that's really impressive. I do want to touch, I know I'm going a little long, I do want to touch a little bit on Forrest Wall. That, did you see that game? That, that, was, aggressive.
2: that was aggressive. That was
3: aggressive. And it looked almost so effortless that you can almost project him, you know, in big moments or in the postseason doing that, right? Like that is speed. You cannot leave off a roster in the postseason. I mean, I just think like, those were two effortless stolen bases against one of the better closers in baseball. Uh, and he gets stole second, stole third uh within the span of like a couple seconds. And it was um and heck, if that ball squirts away a little bit more, uh, that, you know, wild pitch, it he probably he probably scores. I, I think that's that's a real, real weapon and, and different than something we've seen on this roster to this point.
2: Real quick before we take a time out here, Max Fried.
3: So Max Freed is going to have another rehab start. I'll say at least another. I, I think it'll only be one more, but he's going to start for Gwinnett on Wednesday in Jacksonville, and it will be Jacksonville because, <laughs> as I looked at it earlier, I asked you know Brian Sticker this postgame, and he confirmed it will be Jacksonville for Gwinnett on Wednesday. But, Jay, in a very rare, rare thing with the new minor league schedule with the week-long series all the affiliates are on the road. Like he couldn't stay in Georgia if he wanted. Gwinnett was on the road. uh, Augusta was on the road and Rome was on the road. So they usually like to keep those guys as close to home. Those big league guys rehabbing. Uh, He's not going to be able to, you know, he's going to have a nice little, nice little trip down to Jacksonville. Uh, And while we're at it, I know we'll get to more of this, but while we're at it, AJ Minter is going to throw a rehab inning on Tuesday in Jacksonville for Gwinnett. So those Jacksonville baseball fans, man, this is, this is a nice time to come out to the yard and see the jumbo shrimp.
2: All right, coming up, the Braves are not going to have a lot of catching questions to answer for the next year. And we'll hear from the newest member of the Hall of Fame. This is the Braves report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution presented by Kroger.
5: When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers. So we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart.
2: All right, breaking news. We have a first coming up for the Braves Report on Thursday we'll have a special live edition of this podcast. First time we've done it this way. It's going to be you can can come in and see a virtual taping of our show, but it's only available to subscribers to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So you'll be able to watch us tape the show as we set up the trade deadline and recap uh, the two games at Fenway Park and then ask us any question you want. We assume it's going to be about the trade deadline, but Justin will answer anything that you want to ask. So the only way you can join this is to become a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you have not done So go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. 99 cents for the next three months gives you unlimited digital access to everything we have. Access to our newsletters, including the Braves Report and the Braves Dispatch on Fridays and these kind of special events where you can uh, join us and talk some ball on Thursday at four o'clock.
3: And I, I can't really speak for those above us who make these decisions, but I think you and I, you know, hoping to do a lot more of these.
2: Yes, yes, we uh, we hope to make this a regular part of our repertoire so we'll give it a a shot on a Thursday, see how it goes. So uh, join us in the in the virtual studio. Uh, we'll also have a link there uh, in the show notes. So uh, go to sub- go to live.ajc.com to sign up, also click on the link in the show notes as well. Only available to subscribers to the Atlanta Journal Constitution for our special Braves report live taping on Thursday at 4. Now, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the trade deadline on Thursday. But the Braves are not going to have to make any moves for catchers. Sean Murphy's not going anywhere, and neither's Travis Darno. Here's Alex Anthopoulos on why they went ahead and locked him up for another year at eight million.
0: I've said it before. You know, even when we brought uh, Sean Murphy in and people were speculating on trades, and I even told Travis like maybe finally people will stop speculating on trades now. I said it so many times over. You know, he's not going anywhere. He's here to stay. I've said it. He's he's a, he's one. Of, he's a he's really the glue for us in my mind. Uh, he's part of the, f- the f- furniture here as well. I mean, he's just so key. Obviously on the field, he's fantastic, and what he does behind the plate is fantastic. But everything he brings and what he means is just can't – I mean, I can't say enough about him as a person. It was a no-brainer to, to keep him here and the fact that he wanted to stay.
1: Everybody jokes around. Everybody smiles. Everybody laughs. Um, it's something that's hard to find. Um, the coaches, the staff, everybody, Orlando, always jokes around. I, I truly can't wait to leave home to get to the ballpark every single day, and it's something that's rare. It's not very common.
2: If you're uh, happy at work and making eight million, might as well hang around for another year.
3: Yeah, man, that's pretty good gig, especially now. I think with having Sean Murphy there, Travis Darno still getting some good time and is really, really making the most of it. Is going to, you know, have miles taken off of his body, you know, because of that. And this is, you know, a good gig. He can still mentor others, mentor pitchers. And heck, like, performance-wise, he's pretty close to an all-star this year. If you factor out his numbers with more playing time, like I think he could have gotten a second, you know, a consecutive another all-star bid. Um, but no, this is this is really good for him and for the Braves. He's found a good situation here, and you know how it is, man. If you and I hated working together, this podcast would not be as good. And it is fun. Like you, at, at first glance, when you hear Travis talking about joking around, you're like. Like, what's he talking about? You know, like it just, it kind of goes off, you know, on a tangent, it kind of goes off on a tangent about that, but it's like, you know, that is what it is. Everybody's here, they their respective jobs to work hard, but it's more fun when you laugh. <laughs> it's more fun when you smile. It's more fun when you joke around to your coworkers. And those guys have a really good rapport of like just messing around with each other and just getting under each other's skin, like in a good way. Um, and, you know, it, it's all good fun. This really worked out the best for both sides. Travis gets to stay, gets to win, gets to be a part of this, gets to continue what he's helped build here. Um, and then for Alex and Co, a no-brainer, right? Like Alex said, uh, Alex feels like he's the glue. Um, and yes, uh, maybe people will stop speculating that they could trade Travis Darnot because uh, they're not—they're not doing it. But then again, we—you know—you should have known that on you know in the middle of December after that Sean Murphy press conference.
2: Are any other teams taking notice? Like, the Braves are going to apparently go with the strategy of having two starting catchers for a long time. Maybe we should uh, also think about this.
3: Yeah, I I just think it's tough to have two starting catchers. Like, I, I think it's tough to have two of that caliber, Yeah. right? Like, they had one, and then they had to empty... I mean, they didn't really empty the tank prospect-wise to acquire Murphy. I'm just saying they had to be, you know, involved in a bigger deal like that. Uh, but I... I think they have to be taking notice, right? Because so many teams have always said, well, you know, and I assume this is, might be the thinking is like, why would you acquire another good starting catcher when you could use that capital to acquire at a position that's going to play every day? But here's the thing. The DH exists now. Yes, it does. And here's the thing. The, you know, that's a two-man job. It's a well, 162 is tough, man. Sean Murphy, you know, caught the lion's share in Oakland. I bet if you were to ask him right now, I bet he probably feels better physically at this stage of the season than he did in those years, just because he's, you know, it's like, he's getting to not split the time. He's still getting the majority of the starts, but I mean, yeah, he's, he's getting to basically, you know, share it just a little bit more. And oh, by the way, the guy, you know, who backs him up is also an all-star. So I, I think teams have to be taking notice that they're probably getting, They're going to look at it this way, right? Like, because the Braves' catcher doesn't have to catch 130 games, they're probably getting more in each game from that catcher, right? Because he's not so overworked.
2: Speaking of catchers, uh, Braves got to see another one of theirs uh, this weekend, the William Contreras reunion. And I know we've talked about it before, but as long as this season goes on, man, that trade's looking so bad. For the A's, because not only did they I and mean, yes, they did get an all-star in Reese, but uh, they didn't get Contreras. And uh, they handed the Brewers one of the best relievers in the National League.
3: Y- yeah, I, I mean uh, it I, I don't uh, like these things take so long. I know we're not you know to to develop and to grade, and I know we're not privy to all the information they had, but you even look what they got from the Braves, man. Like, um, the reliever they got Salinas might be, you know, a year away, or I, you know, I don't, I don't know, or I thought that you know in the off season, um, but he's got great stuff. But man, Kyle Mueller, as much as I like the guy, you know, just has not shown it yet at the big league level. Might be a quad A guy, Freddie Tarnock. Who knows what he might do? <laughs> I just think like. I understand they have two good catchers and Shay Langoliers and uh, Tyler Soderstrom, I think is his name. Um, but not getting Contreras, man. Like you can see, that's a good young catcher already. And it's just tough to develop him. Um, I I think for that and the Matt Olson trade, like I'm not going to call him a fleece quite yet uh, for the Braves, but let's just say this it's not like they had a top five farm system in baseball. And they were still able to pull off these trades and maintain a pretty good, you know, farm system or their top prospects. Like they didn't trade Harris, didn't trade Strider, didn't trade Smith Schauber. I just, they did a really, really nice job with this and getting those pieces. If I'm an Oakland A's fan, I'm like, dude, what the heck? Like, what is their redeeming (laughs) from those trades? You know what I mean? Like Langoliers, yes, sure. But you just wanted, I think they should have gotten more for murphy or at least like i i don't know but then again if you're gonna trade him you gotta trade him then anyways and i i mean it just looks like they didn't do as good of a job as maybe they should have you know in scouting the systems or wherever the deal i don't know i mean it's just we're not privy to all the information they have and maybe in the future it looks really good but the braves look like big winners all
2: right Justin, we're gonna have you take a pause here right quick as while you're writing your story on sunday we had a chance to go up to Cooperstown as Fred McGriff is making his mark on the Hall of Fame.
1: The 93 team was the best team I believe I ever played on, with Glavin, Maddox, and Smokes pitching, plus, plus Bobby Cox leading the way. But two years later, in 1995, with the healthy Chipper Jones, it all came together. We finally pulled it off and won the first championship for the city of Atlanta the proudest team moment of my career. And last bit of advice from the Crime Dog. I'm humbled to be standing on the stage with some of the greatest players to ever play this game. Honestly, would have been happy just playing one day in the big leagues. This means a lot to me. So I encourage you, whatever your dream is, to never give up. And always remember to stay true to who you are there'll be fires along the way but those fires can ignite the spark to the next season of your life thank you all again for being here today god bless you all
2: and to set the scene for us is our own gabriel burns who has gone up to cooperstown and uh, gabe how many uh, trips has this been for you now at the hall of fame
4: You know, this is my first one as an adult and media member. I I came here as a 12 year old and obviously I was a Braves fan and, you know, their guys weren't in yet. Uh, So, you know, it's been kind of cool to see uh, all the guys that I grew up watching here and some of them in person, too. And I mean, this place, like, seriously, if you have the opportunity to come up here, it doesn't even have to be during the Hall of Fame induction weekend but if you just have the chance to come here i mean it's just a beautiful place the vibe is just really incredible it's everything is baseball obviously but even the drive from albany uh, new york where i flew in i mean it's just so scenic it's nice like seriously i can't recommend it enough if you're a baseball fan definitely come up here at least once
2: i'll co-sign on that Uh, i had a chance to go when the chipper uh, was inducted and that was uh, a chaotic weekend the place was just packed was it a little bit of a lighter crowd with only Roland and McGriff going in? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, t- I
4: talked to several people who you know could actually judge these, those kind of things. And it, it was definitely lighter. It was a tamer audience. I will say, still a good bit of Braves fans. A lot of Cardinals fans and a lot of Braves fans. And if you go, I know, look, McGriff, obviously, he, d- he decided not to display a team on his plaque, but you know, when you're looking at how he, he was introduced to it, picture was a Braves uniform. Uh, everyone knows, you know, at this point, the stories, the highlights, you go into the hall of fame shop, you know, most of the merchandise, most of the McGriff merchandise was Braves related and they had Braves jerseys and Blue Jays jerseys for him. But the other stuff was largely Braves related. So I think again, and like Chipper had mentioned he'll he'll you know he remember, he thinks of McGriff as a brave and again I I understand why McGriff did that and it makes sense to me but you know when you think about him I I do think that most people are probably going to think about him being a part of those Braves teams.
2: It is kind of hard to believe that McGriff was only in Atlanta from '93 to '97. It feels like he was here for ten years.
4: Yeah, and he's somebody that you know if you were. Younger like me, you kind of grew up hearing "Crime Dog" and hearing about him. You know what I mean? Like he's
2: doing the follow, th- doing the follow through over your over the top of your head when you hit a home run in the yard.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a he was a huge hit, and and I'll just say uh, he has been such a joy to interact with and to listen to. Uh, interviewed his wife before and after the ceremony. Uh, just a, a beautiful, lovely family. I mean, what a great guy. And, you know, Scott Rowland, too. Uh, two good dudes. And, a con- you know, congratulations to both of them.
2: Nobody seems happier to be Fred McGriff than Fred McGriff.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's happy all the time. That I, c- I could totally see how he would just be an awesome teammate. And one of those guys, I know it's a little cliche, but one of those infectious personalities. He, he, he <laughs> I asked him um, a couple of days ago about, you know what his time with the Braves meant to him, and he and he had some good lines on that, and he had mentioned how much he enjoyed playing too with Dion Sanders, and how much energy that uh, that Dion provides, and and he mentioned that they still you know talk to this day, obviously, and so I imagine. Look, those teams were really talented. It's kind of like the Braves that we're watching, you know, these days. Uh, it's just a lot of a lot of good guys, a lot of fun personalities, and everything really comes together a lot easier when you're when you're winning the vast majority of your
2: games. Well, for those that didn't get to go, take us behind the scenes. What's it like up there?
4: You know, being in the I, – I don't care if you are a teenager who has never seen most of these guys play. I don't care if you're a jaded sports writer. Like, I've been with the AJC since 2017. I don't think I'm – I guess I'm kind, I'm kind of jaded. You know how that goes. I'm jaded in some ways. And in some ways I I can still appreciate things. And it doesn't matter if you've done this for 40 years to be around all of these guys at one time. You know, we had a, we had a dinner Saturday night in the hall. Uh, We had a reception and you're sitting here and you're looking at some of these hall of famers. They're standing here. You're, you're, you're talking with them. They're, they're just sitting here, just hanging out again. These are regular people, of course, but, the fact that all of them are there at the same, you know, Randy Johnson walks in and it's like, well, you know, yeah, he's really big. Like that <laughs> that, that was true. Uh, and you know, I I went up and they had the hall of fame open for us and, and I went and I was just looking around and, and uh, Greg Maddox and his son were also on the second level looking around. And it's just, it kind of hits you, you're in the hall of fame. You know, these guys have these plaques on the wall and then they're here, their families are here. It's just, it's really cool talking with some of these guys. It's, it's really the whole experience. There's there's nothing that compares to it. Um, and I, and even going out, just, see, just being able, I know that if you're a fan coming here, you might not necessarily have the experience to interact with some of these guys. But just being around it, seeing the Hall of Famers parade. Uh, you know, for any baseball fan, for any baseball media member, for any baseball player, I mean, you name it. This is this is a really really unique experience, and it's something that really. It's one of the reasons we just we love baseball, and we're so drawn to it, and it's just really cool to be part of. It,
2: it really does feel like a throwback in time because there is nothing around Cooperstown, New York. It is just a small enclave in upstate New York, and it's just baseball, and that and that parade on Saturday night. Uh, you know. Yes, you don't you don't totally get to rub elbows with Hall of Famers, but they're all driving right past you down the main thoroughfare in Cooperstown, New York. It, it, it If you love baseball, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do, take it from me and Gabe. You must go.
4: Yeah, I mean, especially, look, if you're, I mean, with all due respect, if you're like a Colorado Rockies fan or Arizona Diamond, you don't have that much to, you know, you're not a, this is so cool. If you ha- if you're a fan of one of the really historic franchises too, like the Braves, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs. You know what I mean? Like, when you, there's just so much. There's so many. There's just so much to be seen, to learn about um, about your team's history. Uh, of course, the Braves are really one of the best ones. I think from a fan experience standpoint. I mean, the amount of you know I know Billy Aaron donated. A lot of Hank stuff, and it's awesome to be able to see that.
2: It's truly, it's truly a shrine. The Hank Aaron exhibit there is basically a shrine.
4: Yeah, it's it it's remarkable. I mean, and they did a they did a great job with it. So for fans of these teams that uh, have a ton of history, I mean, uh, this is it's like a it's like a dream come true for as far as just looking at stuff for your team. So yeah, the Braves certainly they're one of the top teams when it comes to uh, history.
2: Who's next for the Braves? Think it's Andrew next year?
4: You know, we've all been uh, – I was talking with someone who covers the Blue Jays, and he, and he was talking about the same thing for them. They think it's going to be a while for them. Uh, I've been posed that question a few times up here. Andrew is the easiest answer. Uh, it remains to be seen. I think he's at, what, 50? He was at 58%, I believe, uh, on the last ballot. So we'll, we'll see. If you go beyond him – Um, you know, you start throwing different names out there and some of these guys like Craig Kimbrell, right? Uh, he was a name that came to mind for me, but I mean, he's been pitching well. So, you know, I I don't know when he's going to be done, but he's a name that comes to mind as a guy who is going to, is, you know, going to be here and be here, you know, early. So, We'll see. But, yeah, Andrew, uh, that's debated. I've already heard some people up here. Some are. One person argued strongly against him and said absolutely not. Uh, one person said he definitely can see him getting in. So so we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, Andrew's certainly one of the you – know, he's the obvious guy. All
2: right, well, don't have too much fun up there on uh, Sunday night. Thanks for uh, stepping out in the middle of uh, filing your story, which you can find on AJC.com slash sports, and uh, come on back. Absolutely. All uh, right, we'll bring Justin back in. You ever been to Cooperstown?
3: Never been to Cooperstown, but thanks to Gabe for going. Man, he he's doing an awesome job. Uh, that was that was a good interview. Gabe sounds good, man. But we do miss we do miss Gabe in this this uh, podcast room that we have here. This virtual room. We do we do miss seeing his face.
2: Couldn't quite coordinate uh, schedules and uh, get all the streams crossed and have everybody together this week. But uh, Gabe's up in New York. You're out in Milwaukee. I'm here in Atlanta. And the Braves will be going to Boston. Uh, taking, they got two off days this week, so a quick two-game set uh, with the Red Sox. Charlie Morton will pitch on Tuesday, then uh, Spencer Strider on Wednesday.
4: The stuff's been good. Um, felt like I've thrown the ball a lot better than the results have been. But, uh, you know, that's kind of, the, kind of the key to the job is getting the results. So, yeah. Um,
2: yeah, figure out how to make it translate i know he's a little frustrated but i know he can't be the largest of the Braves worries
3: no i mean that guy is very good his stuff's gonna be there he's smart man he figures it out like anything that needs to be done he's gonna do it i think uh <laughs> i think we've seen i mean that last one against the diamondbacks that's about as well pitched of a game from two starters as you could have hoped for uh and strider at a certain point, you're wondering if he's going to break his own franchise record. Uh, but no, he is he is not at the top of the list of the concerns. I would say for right now, I mean, it's going to be we're going to have to follow how the Braves align their pitching throughout the week. They've got two off days, which allows them to go, you know, with four starters, maybe three for a certain point if they want to do a bullpen game. What however it works, where did they slot in Chirinos? Um you know how do they use you know the off days and wh- who do they give the rest to? I'm going to be very fascinated to see how this unfolds throughout the week. We know the two starters for Boston, as you just mentioned, um, but when they get home, they've got an off day Thursday, and then on Friday it's back at it, <laughs> back at it against the team we just watched for three days.
2: All right, go ahead and wrap it up here now with our Ask Justin segment, where you an- answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at
3: Justin C Toscano.
2: And uh, no calls on the hotline this week. But anytime you got a question and you want to hear your voice, uh, give us a call at 404 526 AJCP. That is 404 526 2527. But on the subject of uh, Spencer Strider, we will start with JP Hilly. Do you think Spencer gets to 20 wins and 300 Ks?
3: I don't think so. I think he's going to be very, very, very close to 300 Ks. 20 wins is tough. I think he's going to be very, very close to 300 Ks if you factor it out i think 8 or 9 starts he's going to need i mean he's going to need to average about 8 or 9 strike i mean strikeouts which which he can do but what if there's like one of those times they give him you know they skip him and give him some rest or they you know or he you know just needs an extra you know an extra turn i that's 300 strikeouts is insane that's really really tough to do if there's anybody who can do it it's him but that's tough to say that he's going to be able to do it
2: Next up from uh, Jonathan Brent. Rank these positions in terms of likelihood the Braves trade for them. Starter, reliever, left field, utility infield.
3: Okay. Uh, Ready? Yes. So one reliever, two starter, three utility infielder, four left field. My reasoning being, I think they need an extra bullpen arm. Uh, Maybe they can go without an elite one. But I think they need something in case injuries go awry, you know, as they have to cover themselves. But they've, they've still got a good bullpen. It's deep. They've been getting the job done um, in impressive fashion without some of the important pieces, uh, including Dylan Lee, who has been out, um, you know, since May and is throwing another bullpen session in Boston on Tuesday and told me that after that, he hopes it's lives, uh, live batting practice. I went starter for two because of the reasons we mentioned earlier. The depth is getting a little bit thin. You can always use more pitching. It shouldn't be tough to acquire any sort of starter. It uh, doesn't have to be a frontline guy. Utility infielder, that's one way to raise the floor on your roster. Uh, but then again, that guy doesn't really play, like as we've seen from the Charlie Colbertson spot. So that one's going to be tough to justify the value. But I do think they could get somebody maybe who's a, better baseball player in there than like Culberson. and that's no offense to you know Culberson I just mean like they could maybe raise the floor on the roster a little bit like that for you know left field because I just I think they've got you know they've got Kevin Poir they've got Eddie Rosario uh it's it's pretty set there you know they've got Sam Hilliard who is injured right now but Forrest Wall is an outfielder um I think that one's pretty set right now and that might be tougher to do for what they would want to give up because they don't need it
2: all right Next up from Mike Mull, and i skip this if you don't want to answer it. The current bullpen is a far cry from the night shift. Which bullpen arm on the current healthy roster would you have the most confidence in in a playoff inning?
3: I mean, I get the sentiment. I know they've they've had guys hurt. I know it's been bad at times, but I think it skews that I'm not saying this about this person specifically, but... Let's take a look at the bigger picture. I mean, this bullpen's got a 3-5 ERA, which is the second best in baseball. It leads the National League. Jay, out of the top eight teams in bullpen ERA, seven are from the American League. The oh, next wow. National League team comes in at number nine, the San Francisco Giants, at a three-seven-four ERA. The bullpen has been very good considering the injuries they've dealt with. To answer the question, right now on the current Active, healthy roster, I'm going to go with Rysel Iglesias. I still think he gets it going. I think with that stuff, the strike-throwing ability, he gets it going. I almost went Colin McHugh, but I think Iggy, at his best, is just nasty. Um, and I, I think, look, like he's gotten out. He's sweat out a little bit of the bad appearances. I think he gets on a nice little roll. Remember, this is the guy who gave up a run over 26 innings after the trade last year. I think he's still got it, and I would still trust him.
2: I will point out that the night shift did not become a night shift until the 2021 postseason. They were not the night shift during the regular season.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I, I remember I was covering the Mets at the time, as people are frequent listeners, our loyal listeners know. But I do remember a lot of Braves Mets games, or at least a few, where it seemed like Will Smith walked the tightrope a lot, and then didn't give up a run in the postseason. It can change. Things can shift. I think what we've learned in baseball is almost all times, the regular season is not representative of what will happen in the postseason. No.
2: All right, final question from Ernest Dove. How are your morning workouts going?
3: Man, they're going well when I can get them in. I mean, in this job, sometimes moves happen. Sometimes you got to work all day, uh, which is awesome. There's no better job in the world. This is very fun to do. But going well, trying to work out with intention, just like Bryce Elder is you know, using intention in his, you know, trying to be intentful, you know, use intent in his routine. Um, No, very, very good. Working out, key to a healthy life. Clears the mind. I love it. Uh, Hope to get a couple in in Boston. Winners of the week. You first. My winner of the week is going to be Alan Winans. uh, Because I, and I almost went Dysbel Hernandez, but don't you just love the stories of the guy who perseveres and like, isn't this part of why we do this? Uh, and the best ones to hear is like Alan wine is drafted in 2018 in the 17th round out a Campbell. Didn't even know that, you know, there were no guarantees he could be, he was going to be drafted so much so that he sat through a two hour rain delay in his final collegiate game and then came back on the other end to keep pitching. Um, he was a minor league rule five draft pick. In other words, the Mets did not want him at a certain point, and they did not protect him in the 37, 38-player pool. Um, and then he signed for, you know, only 10K after he was drafted. All of these things, he works as a substitute teacher in the offseason to make ends meet and to earn some more money as he supports his dream. And on Saturday, he got to get on the big league mound, start that game, debut, um, and did a really nice job. So it was, you know, a really, really nice touch on his story. All right, mine of course is
2: uh, Austin Riley. You think we'd forget this historic week? You know, I envy the the, the great ones
4: because they, they do stay so consistent, no matter how great they're doing or how you know if they're you know going through a struggle. Um, and you know that's something that I'm learning and trying to
0: trying to, to, to lean towards. And, and you know when things aren't going well, I feel like I kind of you know bounce all over the place trying to figure it out. You know, most of the times you're not you're not that far
2: off. That's what he said Saturday after homering in his fifth straight game, six home run and 17 at-bats. And that talk about consistency is like the same stuff he told us down at spring training. That's the, the thing that he thinks separates him from being at the true elite of the sport. But <laughs> he's the hottest guy in the world right now.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that if you're going to criticize it, that's the one thing he has lacked this year is consistency. But he's still over 20 home runs. He's still driving in runs. I mean, this is a very darn good season by the standards of anybody. Austin Riley would like more consistency for himself. But Jay tied a franchise record with a home run in five straight games. And that gave him, in that five-game span, six home runs and 16 RBIs. He was only the 10th guy to do that since 2000.
2: Yep. It was a spectacular week for Austin, and that will wrap up uh, this week here. But we're going to have two shows out for you uh, coming up. Uh, as we told you, we got our special Braves Report live on Thursday night. So uh, click on the uh, link in the show notes or go to live.ajc.com so you can sign up. It's only for subscribers. Our special trade deadline preview show, we'll have that out on the podcast feed on Friday, and then uh, we'll be back with
3: you on Monday. It's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week. Looking forward to that live show. That's a great way to spend you know the off day before some more Braves baseball. So join us there. Watch out for us. Follow, subscribe, like the show, tell your friends, tell your enemies. As Jay Black usually says, everybody counts. We don't care. We'll take them all.
2: And we will see you again on Friday on the Braves Report for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
5: When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment